Welcome to the Politics of Everything. I'm Amber Danes, your host and podcast producer. This is a half hour of power, a podcast dropping every week where I unpack the politics of everything, from money to motherhood, nutrition to narcissism, startups to secularism, the environment, quality, and much, much more. Our guests are seasoned in the field or topic of their choice, even if you've not heard of them yet. This is a non-partisan show. So while I love exploring varied views and get a buzz from a healthy debate of ideas, this is not a purely blue, white, green program. Please subscribe, tune in and enjoy the politics of everything. Who else feels the weight of the life administration burden? For me, two businesses, two kids under 13, one busy husband and my own needs and goals in fitness, academics, so-called work-life balance and beyond often seem to be a bit much to triumph over consistently and actually get some decent sleep. Enter Dinah Rowe Roberts. She's a streamlined, systemizing and time and money saviour. After her second child was born, she found herself overwhelmed with paperwork, complicated logistics and to-dos. She knew she needed a new approach and so together with an old friend, they decided to conquer the problem and the Life Admin Life Hacks podcast was born. Their mission to minimise, automate, share and delegate Life Admin. This experience has now resulted in a book, Life Admin Hacks, a step-by-step guide to saving time and money, reducing the mental load and streamlining your life, which was published in January this year. She's an accounting and finance background and was previously director at PwC and the COO for a national mental health provider. So let's get her nuggets of gold as we discuss the politics of life admin. Welcome. Thanks so much for having me on the show today. Excellent. I want to go back to your early career. Do you remember your first paid job? And was there anything in that which kind of had sort of the inklings of what your next career move might be? Well, my very first job was, you know, check out, check at Woolworths. But um, my first real job was actually a trainee at Coopers and Librand, which is now PwC. So as an accountant, so I have always been a lover of spreadsheets. And so I guess there is that sort of glimmering of, you know, wanting to be on top of things and being reasonably organised. And, you know, that background in accounting and business, it's really led me all over the world and it's opened my eyes to the corporate world and what was possible. So I do think that then all of that, what you learn in your business life, you so often don't apply at home. So I think that's really what the background has brought to Life Admin Hacks. So I'm going to ask the big question, what is the number one life admin task you avoid, even with all your knowledge and your hacks that you have available and why? Look, I can actually honestly say there's really nothing now I avoid because my life admin is truly a background hum now that we've got all our systems sorted. But I will admit that in the past, the two biggest areas that were problematic for me were getting my will sorted and sorting through digital photos. And I think in both of those things, it's because I wasn't quite sure how to go about it. So for the will, I didn't have a lawyer that I trusted. I didn't know who I should appoint as the executor. It wasn't obvious. And so often, you know, when things feel a bit hard, you just put them off um, because you're not quite sure how to do it. And when you don't know what to do and you don't have a scheduled committed time or, or a deadline, that's when life admin, even very important things like having a will when you've got kids, they just don't happen. And I think you're right, but it's interesting because I think there's some ridiculous statistic of how few people actually have a will, no matter if you're 25 or 55 or beyond. 
it's something crazy, but I, it's something that I think we just put aside. But then there's things, I guess, that glare at us like that, you know, proverbial paperwork building up or the tax return because there's a real deadline on that. So I think people can kind of avoid things perhaps and it sounds like you're great at tackling them. So I think that that's kind of what we all need a bit more of is just going, getting in there and systemising it and getting it done. Yeah, and I definitely think one of, you know, our biggest recommendations in the book is, you know, people often say they don't have time to do their life admin, but somehow they also think it can get done in magic time. They don't have this scheduled time. And, you know, the reality is, you know, we don't want to spend a lot of time on this stuff, but you still have to do it. So if you schedule in what we call an hour of power once a week, and you know that's when you're going to do your life admin, it's much easier to get get it done and make progress. Absolutely. So the mental load is something that's been talked a lot about um, in sort of, I guess, modern society and particularly for mothers, they talk about that mental load. How does that ongoing flurry of things to do, places to be impact our effectiveness to get absolutely anything done? And how can we kind of change that or kind of simplify that load, if you like? Yeah, and I think this sort of monkey mind or mental load or this stress You know, it appears when there's an imbalance between the demands being made on us and our resources to cope with those demands. So, you know, I think when you think about a lot of those things in life admin, if you haven't set up the systems, that's why you get that stress or that, you know, the mental load. And there's this effect, this zygonic effect that people talk about, which is our tendency to remember incomplete or interrupted tasks better than completed ones. And that's, you know, that that what we're often talking about when we think about the mental load, that sort of mental chatter. And each of those incomplete tasks in your brain takes up a little bit of your attention, splitting your focus and making it harder to concentrate on whatever you're currently working on. And then those tasks sort of follow us around. They intrude on our family time, our weekends and our sleep. The good news is you don't actually have to complete all those tasks in order to feel that mental relief. The research shows that simply having a plan or a system that you know when you're going to get to those tasks can kind of snooze your brain's automatic reminders. Mm, That's great. That's great advice. So online tools are great and there's loads of them out there. And I must admit that actually adds to my, my confusion about, you know, do I use this system or even for clients? Am I going to go with Monday or is there a different cello or, you know, all these kind of options for project management in work as well as in, you know, our personal life. How do you find the best ones that suit your needs and goals, whether that be for budgeting or kind of, you know, just systemizing your life? I mean, is there, is there a kind of a rule that you kind of go, yep, this one's great because it does this simply or is it individual? Like how do you actually get to that point? Yeah, and actually in in our book we really, um, you know, we do make some recommendations about tools that we think have got good ratings and things, but you really do need to find the tools that work for you and your tech and your, you know, that are compatible with the rest of the tech that goes on in your work life and in your partner's life. So it is worth a bit of time investing in thinking about the apps or tools you're going to use. So understand the criteria of what you're looking for in the app before you even really start looking. So, you know, if you're looking for a budgeting app, think about, you know, is it the bank feeds? Is it the alerts? You know, what are the criteria that are going to be really important to me? And then look at a few reliable sites that review apps like, you know, PCMag, CNET or Choice. And then what we recommend is 
never compare more than three. <laughs> look at three, pick one and move on. And then once you've picked it, make sure you actually invest a little bit of time in learning how to use it properly. Because I think often people download millions of apps. They don't ever really invest the time in, in trying to figure out how to use them properly. Yeah, so they end up just being a time waster. <laughs> yeah. And then about a year later, I go through my phone, you know, usually that lull between Christmas and New Year and start deleting apps. And I'm like, I don't even remember downloading that. Yeah. So if you if you do want to do something, a password manager is something we like is one of our top hacks in terms yeah. of automating your life admin. If you decide you're going to do it, schedule an hour of power to find the password manager and then schedule another hour of power to set it up. So, you know, be realistic about how long these things are going to take. But the reality is those two hours will pay you back hundredfold when you never have to you know, have a reset password ever again. Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. I think our brain can only cope with so many passwords anyway. But, yeah, you're right. We just need to systemize that like everything else. In my circle, I'm known as a dedicated gift giver. I actually try and be thoughtful and think of what that friend or family member likes or needs, not just what I have in the cupboard or what I would like to receive or what I would like to give. And presents, in my experience, that bring joy need not be expensive, but they definitely, for me personally, I'm a big stickler on, you know, I've got everyone's birthday automated in my calendar and Facebook, there's no excuses these days, you know, but not giving it to me four months later or making, you know, that receiver feel like, oh, this is just something little. It's nothing, nothing big and sort of lowering the expectation that they're going to be appreciative and happy. What sort of advice do you give us in, in the book about the, about becoming better, if you, particularly if you're not a natural gift giver? I've got a lot of friends who I, they probably, to be honest, they tell me I intimidate them with my gift giving because I've listened <laughs> to them and they're like, I can't give you anything because, you know, you've thought about yours so much that it's a bit of a pressure for me. So how do you actually get people to see it as something that's life-giving and joy-giving and not a burden? Yeah, it's actually a really interesting topic. Um, and I, I think that this is where, again, investing a little bit in a system up front makes a huge difference. So the reality is every year you've got inevitable gifts that you're going to give year in, year out. So for your partner, perhaps your parents, your closest friends, your kids. And so for all of those people who you know you're going to have to give gifts to, you just need a reference list. So a reference list where you can add things to on the go whenever you hear them mention something or you actually even see something they might like and then you can quickly add it to that list so that then when the um, occasion's approaching, you can have you know, a whole range of options for you to consult and then you can buy. I often buy things right there and then if someone does mention something, but I also still add it to the reference list so I can remember that I bought it because otherwise sometimes you can put it in the cupboard and you've forgot about it. And for those nearest and dearest to you, like have a scheduled time where you look ahead, maybe once a month where you look ahead at what birthdays are coming up in the next month, you know, so that you can consult those reference lists. I do most all my gift, you know, purchasing online. So it doesn't take a long time because all I'm doing is quickly consulting those reference lists, making a couple of purchases. And it means you can really, you know, look and appear really thoughtful without actually that much mental effort. Absolutely. And it should be fun. I think it's, it can't be a burden, right? You've got a, it's a bit of an attitude thing too where you It does and it's not a chore. There's nothing more joyful than giving a present to someone who absolutely loves it. It's just it makes you feel even better than the, the person who's receiving it. I absolutely agree. Look, the big one for a lot of people is always cost of living. So how can people become better at saving money or spending less or is it a bit of both? 
Well, I think, first of all, everyone needs to have a degree of like a handle on your budget or finances. And, you know, we're not, we don't advocate for a particular budgeting approach, but you kind of need to find an approach that works for you so that you know what's coming in, you know what's going out, uh, and so that you don't have any of that financial stress just because you don't understand that. And once you've really got a handle on, you know, what's coming in and what's coming out, you can understand what other areas of life admin you should focus on. So the first one you might want to consider is comparison shopping for major household bills. So when you know how much you spend over the course of a year on your home loan or on insurances, it can help pinpoint where you should maybe focus more effort in comparison shopping. So for most people, home loans, Uh, house and contents insurance and private health insurance are the big ticket items that if you review once a year, you can probably save thousands of dollars. And I guess the other one to really think about is we all spend a lot of money on food. And so meal planning is probably another area that if you become quite adept at it, you schedule in to do it once a week, you're going to save an enormous amount on food if you really get a handle on meal planning. Yeah, no more dead broccoli at the bottom of, of the fruit basket, you know. Yeah, and no week. more sort of wondering at 5pm what's for dinner tonight or another trip to the supermarket, which is just huge time waster. Absolutely. And I guess, you know, because we've been living through a pandemic, we've got used to not going to the shops all the time. So I think there's a good, there's a good opportunity maybe to become more disciplined because we don't want to just be wandering around Coles or, you know, the supermarkets for hours. We just want to get in and get out really with knowing what, what we're going to do once we get home with all that, all that money we've spent on growth. Yeah, and I'm a big advocate for online grocery shopping because you're much more likely to just buy what you need and and not get sucked into, you know, buying a few extra things. Specials that you you don't need. As a friend of mine who works in sort of the finance space has always said, you know, just because it's on sale, if you don't really need it, you've still wasted that money. You know, it's that that idea that just because that $400 jacket's on sale, if you've got 30 other jackets in the wardrobe, you've just still wasted $200 on on a jacket you didn't need. Absolutely. So decluttering is easy for some. And look, I have to admit, I have moved 22 times in my 45 years on this earth, but it is boring and hard for some of us. Do you advocate for professionals to come in? I mean, there's been a big rise and I've got quite a few contacts, including people who've been on this this podcast who do that for a living. It seems like another thing we're happy to outsource. What's your view on that? Oh, look, absolutely. If it's something you're struggling with and you can afford it, go for it. I think outsourcing generally can be such a contentious topic but the reality is if there's something that you know is going to streamline your life and decluttering can have such a big impact in your household in terms of saving time I definitely think you should consider getting some help it can really accelerate the process you know and actually one of the biggest things from you know we also interviewed professional declutterers on our podcast is that they know where to rehome things which can often be quite a big barrier for people that you know if you don't feel like things are being wasted they know where to go they know where to take things which charities take what and so that can be a really big you know uh, help in terms of actually completing the job and getting it out of the house. Absolutely. And I guess when that comes to that, like it's, it's, I mean, I've, I've had the experience not with a whole house, but in my wardrobe a number of years ago after I had my second child, like just clothes you were never going to wear again, like stilettos and, you know, dresses that you don't use anymore. And I actually had a wardrobe declutterer and that was amazing because I wasn't spending money on just going and buying new stuff before I'd curated if you like what was already there and she actually even found some new ways for me to combine things I already had so that it wasn't costing me more money because I think sometimes people think when they declutter 
that's great, but then I'm just going to have to go and buy some other stuff to kind of fill that void in, in some way. You know, the, the decluttering only lasts for so long. But I think it's it's important to think about, you know, I guess purpose. And it's, I'm not getting all Marie Kondo about it, but it is about having something that you know you're going to use and if you don't use it, even if it was your favourite dress when you met your husband 20 years ago, like she just literally put that in a bag and said, do not let your husband see that, just go. Like it's gone. And you never think about it again either. I think that's the other thing. At the time it's a little bit hard and I'm someone who's quite good at decluttering because I have moved a lot. But still there's a few things that sometimes they literally have no purpose and it's okay to be sentimental. But when you say, for example, I was living in an apartment, that's important real estate, that piece of piece of clothing in the cupboard that's taking up, you know, a whole bunch of space. Yeah, and I think it can apply to other things too because often when you have so much stuffed in your cupboards, you don't know what you've got and you actually then end up going and buying the same thing again <laughs> because you can't find it. So actually having less, you know, it has, you know, compounding benefits, I think, in terms of knowing what you've got, finding it easy to find things and easy to, you know, put things away. Absolutely. Who have been your greatest mentors in your business and your career and why have they had such an impact in your life? It's a really interesting question, Amber. Um, so I'm going to say Barbara Yo was actually one of my very first bosses, you know, years, you know, probably 30 years ago. And she was stylish and smart and fearless. And she was a single mum. And I just, I was sort of in awe of how she managed to do it all. And she also didn't really care about what anyone else thought about her. Uh, she was a bit quirky. And so I think, you know, having her as a boss very early in my career really, I guess, changed my mindset about what it means to be successful. That's great. And it's great that you remember someone perhaps from a long time ago that, you know, at times, you know, you think, oh, well, that person's had an impact now, but they won't have a legacy in my life. But it sounds like you've really remembered that person and, and how they perhaps made other people feel as well as, you know, I guess what they represented. Yeah, definitely. If we spoke again in a year, what would be the number one thing that you would have hoped to have changed in your business or career and why? I guess we're really at the journey at the point of where life admin hacks is really, I guess, taking off, you know, now that we've had a book published by HarperCollins. And I, the thing that's probably I've loved the most about this whole project has been hearing the stories of how our ideas have helped other people, you know, change their life. So I guess I just really hope that that continues and like that it grows because it's such a big problem and it's just so gratifying when you hear those stories about people you know implementing these things and how much it improves their life and, and I guess increases their happiness and gives them more time to do the things that are really important to them. Powerful stuff. So what would be your final takeaway message for us on the politics of life admin? It's not about controlling everything or being organised with military precision. It's just about setting up your environment, your phone, your computer to make things convenient, to make them frictionless, make it easy to do the right thing. And then you can just feel confident, prepared. You can respond rather than react. Absolutely. Great advice. So everyone, Life Admin Hacks, go get yourself a copy, listen to the podcast as well. It's got some fantastic nuggets of gold in there. If you do want to connect further with Dinah, there will be some details in the show notes as always. Until next time, take care. Thanks so much for listening today. If you've enjoyed the politics of everything, I thrive on your feedback. So please add a short review and share the podcast with your network through Apple, Spotify and all the usual suspects. I'm always on the hunt for new and diverse guests. So if you or someone you know has a fresh idea you're busting to get out there, please email me at amber 
at amberdanes.com and my crew will get back to you very soon.